Greetings all and welcome to the podcast, Why Are You Sober? I am the host, Sam, a sober addict, and as always, I'm really glad that you all are here. Why Are You Sober? is a space where sober addicts come to tell their stories of addiction, uh, tell where it took them, where they've been, how they got sober, and then why they continue to choose sobriety today. The hope is that this will spread some experience, strength, and joy out there to either other sober addicts or people who are looking to get sober. If you are a sober addict and would like to come on and tell your story, I would love that. You can get in touch with me at my website, which is whyareyousober.org, or you can email me directly at sam at whyareyousober.org. Or if you're somebody who has some questions, maybe looking for some resources or for some help, you can also reach out. Please do. Uh, Again, that is sam at whyareyousober.org. You can also find me on all social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, all of that stuff. So last week, we had my wonderful friend Kathara on. And I'm telling you guys, she is an incredible person. And I hope that you loved her story as much as I do. And this week, we have another blast from the past for me. This week, we have a dear friend of mine who we used to work with together a long time ago. Uh, Her name is Barbara. Uh, Actually, she used to be a boss of mine. Um, And several years ago, uh, she suddenly saw me post about how I was a few years sober. And when I first got sober, I didn't really post anything on any social media. I kept it really private and for myself, uh, which was because it was for myself. And I just didn't want distractions from a lot of people. And so I waited about two years until I finally posted about getting sober. And I am really pleased that I did that. But one of the wonderful things was that all of a sudden, uh, this wonderful woman came back into my life. Uh, And she said, hey, guess what? Welcome to the club. And I loved reconnecting with her. And so uh, our talk today, there's a lot of stuff that I was realizing had gone on while we were working together. Um, And so it was really fun to kind of reconnect and just support each other as that's what this is all for. So all that to say, this is my friend Barbara's story. I'm so glad she's here. And let's start out with the serenity prayer. Good and gracious friend, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Welcome to the podcast. Why are you sober? Thanks. Thank, glad to be here. Thank you for being here. Yes. Um, so it's so fun. I guess you and I probably haven't spoken to each other in almost uh 15 years i mean really talking to each other maybe even a little bit longer yeah definitely right i know um so i guess where do we begin would be what is your addiction or really what was the primary addiction that brought you into sobriety so i am definitely an alcoholic i was it was always for me alcohol and um it was Um, I grew up in a family where my father was an active alcoholic who, um, he never got sober. Um, he died in his disease and, um, I knew from an early age that I was going to be susceptible to, to, to an alcohol, to alcohol, but I, I made different choices and fell victim to the disease anyway. Yeah. So then growing up, what was that like for you? Was, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so he was he was an an emotionally abusive um, alcoholic, and he was just a steady drinker, and um, it just 
you never you kind of never knew which dad was going to show up mm. and you know you really never had that sense of peace and comfort because the 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 addiction was was always there i remember in um college i started going to to al-anon thinking you know mm. i was going to deal with my father's alcoholism and two things about that are kind of funny not funny one was that i would go out drinking after so um perhaps i hadn't quite gotten the concept um the second is that i had some al-anon literature in my room and my father went ballistic like how dare you call me out on my disease oh and yeah, yeah. So that was that was a little rough yeah yeah, that's that's hard. So, um, but otherwise, besides that, do you think that like growing up was pretty normal or like? No, I mean, I don't I mean, it was my normal. But yeah. in, in hindsight, it definitely wasn't normal. Yeah. And it definitely was not, you know, calm and peaceful. And, it, yeah. you know, it was um, whether you know, we can sit here and say whether it's the genetics or growing up in the environment, but they both contributed to the alcoholic that I became. Yeah. So then you said during college is when you started to go to Al-Anon. Yeah. And it's really when my drinking started to, I mean, from the first time I drank, I drank differently than other people Mm -hmm. where even in, like, I didn't, I wasn't a party person in high school. I was kind of kind of square as they would say you know I was <laughs> I was like an honor student I had geeky friends I was involved in my church like I just didn't do that stuff and then I went off to college and I started to again when I drank I just drank differently other people didn't you know drink to the same excess they didn't have the consequences they didn't have the loss of spiritual values like I just what once I put alcohol in me, it was different than mm. other people. And it just, I mean, I graduated college. I went on to get a master's degree. Like I did things, but in the, I always had, I always drank more than others. I always drank to, and I also didn't always know Sometimes I could drink in control and sometimes I drank to excess and Mm -hmm. I never, sometimes I never knew which was going to show up for me. And, um, I think sometimes that prolonged the time it took me to find recovery Mm -hmm. because, because I could sometimes drink in control. And so I was like, Oh, I'm just unduly alarmed. Like I'm not really, cause I can stop, but I couldn't, but I couldn't stay stopped. And that's what made me an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I remember I could get, like, a week or two, even, like, a month. But then once I started again, I was right back where I was before. Yeah. Oh, no doubt yeah. about it. No doubt about it. Or worse. Like, your disease has been hanging out, knitting, you know, waiting for you. And yeah. it picks up right where you left off. Oh, yeah. It's just been patiently waiting for you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> absolutely. when do you feel like it started to cause a problem in your life when when do you uh, yeah so that that's the question when do you feel like it started to be a problem you know there were just kind of little episodes and um signposts along the way where mm-hmm. i would you know i would have times where i drank to the point where someone had to take care of me 
to get me home, to clean me up, to, um, you know, I would wake up in the morning with dry heaves and it would take me kind of a long time to get ready and get myself to work. And I was less than um, productive at work because I was hungover. Like Mm -hmm. it just started to like escalate. And then I would say, you know, I tried the geographical cure. We moved from um, one state to another and I kind of was like, oh, I'm just not going to be an alcoholic in this new state. And, you know, I, it just kept progressing and progressing and it didn't, I, I ended up working for um, a person who was a dry drunk. So he was not emotionally sober, but he didn't drink alcohol. And so that kind of toxic relationship really um, escalated my um, problems with my disease. And Ooh. so while, while I was in that other state, um, it just, I kept having these episodes of like loss of spiritual values, doing things um, to my family that mm-hmm. I would not do in a normal mental state. And it was in the middle of kind of one of those that I um, kind of confessed and um, told my husband that I needed help. Mm. I, I passed out. I woke up and said, I need, I need help. And I, I actually checked myself into a rehab mm. and um, I, it, it, but before then I would say, even before we moved to that new state, I had gone to AA in 2003 and I tried twice in 2005 and I, you know, I, I, I learned enough about alcoholism that it kind of ruined my drinking for like the next five years because Mm. I kind of knew I was drinking alcoholically and I was doing it anyway. And I don't know why I didn't get sobriety then. And I don't know why other than the gift of desperation that I got it when I did. So my sobriety date is May 30th, 2010. So okay. I'm rounding the corner on 13 years of yeah. sobriety Wow! and is um, a miracle because like I said, up until that point, I remember so distinctly being at a meeting, talking to a woman and she could hear me talking myself into my next drink. Yes. Oh, I have been there. And she, she said, like we do, go ahead, go out and try to do some controlled drinking and see how it works out. And I just remember being so mad at her. Yeah. And, you know, to this day, I've never, I've never seen her ever again. She has no idea that she had put this like seed in my head in 2005 that didn't fully germinate. Until I, you know, and again, on paper, I looked like I had, I have a, I have a doctorate. I had a good job. I had a nice house, two Mm -hmm, kids, mm -hmm, a husband, mm -hmm. two, like they say, two cars in the driveway, but I was spiritually empty. I was doing things and being a person that is not the person that I am. Yeah. And, um, I, when I checked myself into this facility, the women at that facility said they had never seen anyone look so sad, which is saying a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I I thought I had lost everything. Yeah. And it's interesting because to this day, you know, my husband, 
when it comes around to my sobriety anniversary, he says, are we supposed to like celebrate or do anything? And I was like, kind of not because while I celebrated as the like happiest day of my life, right? It's the first day of the rest of my sober life. Yeah. It kind of was a crappy day for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, oh yeah. I, I, I totally understand that. Cause I, I'm like October 3rd. So that's the morning I got out of jail. Like yeah, for, you know. That's right. And so it's not, it's not this, this happy, joyous day. Like yeah. it was the day that I checked myself into rehab and yep. like everything that my husband thought our lives was, are built on wasn't. Yeah. And so we had to kind of start from scratch. Yes. So. Yeah. So Barbara, throughout, throughout your story, you've been saying, um, a loss of spiritual values. Now for mm-hmm. listeners who may not understand what that means, what is your definition of that? So it is doing and saying it's being deceitful, you know, mm-hmm. cheating, li- cheating, lying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hi- hiding, right? You know, someone says, how many glasses of wine have you had? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm only on my first class. Meanwhile, you've already opened the second bottle, hid the empty of the first bottle and are kind of planning how you're going to dispose of all your empties so that nobody knows what you've done. Yeah. That, that to me is, a, yes. like, that, that is, yeah. that's, that is an example of like, people are asking you questions and you are flat out lying. I mean, I have, um, I was always, a um, like I, I love to cook. And so I would get home from work. I would open the bottle of wine. I would drink wine while I was cooking. And again, I would open the second bottle and everyone would think I was still on the first bottle. And I have in my apron that I still use today, a cork and it's just a wine bottle cork. And it reminds me of how I used to hide my drinking because I had to hide the cork in my apron so that nobody knew that it was, you know, my second or third bottle that night. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, those totems that we um we hold on to. I uh, mm-hmm. I held I had a um I had a drink token that um was from my last night of or last time of drinking where I w- mm-hmm. I was at a bar where they were doing buy one get one free. So <laughs> nice. I, I I yeah uh, that's where I ended my drinking. Um, and I always joked about how what a terrible alcoholic I was because I left with a free drink token. <laughs> like um, who does that? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what kind of alcoholic does that? Um. And when I got my car out of the impound uh, a couple days later, the drink token was sitting in the little pocket uh, of the door where the door handle is. It was just sitting in there. And I left it in there for the entire first year of my sobriety so that every time I got in the car, I would be like, okay, remember remember what where you got to. Like, um, I eventually did discard it but you know i do think those are important for for our for ourselves you know mm-hmm. yeah I, I remember when um when we were getting ready to sell the house that was in that other state and come back to where i grew up um we started cleaning out a storage area in that house and i found two bottles of wine apparently i had been hiding alcohol and i didn't even remember oh my gosh and so, and at that point I was sober and my husband like 
pulls these two bottles of wine out from the storage area and goes, is there something you need to tell me? And I just bust out laughing because it was so ridiculous. Yeah. That I, you know, what kind of alcoholic hides the alcohol and then doesn't remember that? Well, of course we don't remember. But yeah. the fact is I wasted, <laughs> but I wasted two bottles of wine yeah. that I had hidden that I didn't even know were there. That's that's terrifying and and hilarious too. I mean, that's the thing. Other alcoholics, is it funny? Really? Yeah, I know exactly, exactly. Well, you know, I have a memory that I didn't even realize was a memory until after I got sober. But um, I had an experience when we were working together where I came to work and I wasn't feeling well, and I literally wasn't like all I thought was that I just wasn't feeling well. And because I had never been hung over before. And I'm remembering that that's actually why I wasn't feeling well. Like, yeah. and we were going, like, we had a staff meeting and um, you and another coworker kept being like, are you okay? I was like, I really don't feel well. Like, I don't know what happened. And I literally, like, I was being honest. Like, I didn't, but like, looking back, I was like, oh my gosh, that was the first time I was actually hung over. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> I know. And I was just like, wow. Okay. Well that kind of like coincided together, (laughs) but that's funny. But yeah, like I, I, and that's the thing is, you know, we, I look back on a lot of those times and, um, and I, you just have to laugh. Like, I mean, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. So, uh, when, before you got sober, did you, so there were moments when you yourself were like, maybe I am, maybe I'm an alcoholic and you went to meetings and, um, but did you have anybody else in your life trying to be like pointing it out to you or other things I've asked people is, did you say things to people and they were like, no, you're not like, you know, there was another, there was another couple that, um, my husband and I hung around with and they drank like I drank. And so, um, when there were, when there were periods of time when I would try to moderate my drinking or when there were times where I was like, oh, I'm not drinking right now, they would, they would question my decision to not drink or not drink as much as I used to, because if I was questioning my drinking, it meant they had to question theirs. And so they were like, oh, no, you're fine. Like, how could you, you know, you don't have a problem with drinking because you drink like we drink and we're fine. And so it was, there weren't, there really wasn't anyone in my life that was sober and saying, hey, Barbara, you might have a problem. I mean, to a certain extent, my husband was like, why do you, why can't you stop? Like, it, it really, it never dawned on him. He's 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 not one of us he's not he doesn't have an addiction to alcohol he can Mm -hmm. leave a half a glass of something and he can't leave half a pizza though and so that was the (laughs) first time as i was trying to explain like he can't leave a half a pizza and it's again you don't get pulled over driving yeah having eaten too much pizza yeah you you know, and so it isn't the same, but, um, so there really, there really wasn't anyone who was in, like you said, the people who I was near, most of them were drinking like I was. So if I questioned my drinking, they had to question theirs. Yeah. Yes. That, that's a lot of the experiences for myself was when I would mm-hmm. bring it up to loved ones or, um, 
well i never really brought up to family but friends and people they would be like no you just you just overdid it last night you're fine like don't worry about it yeah you're fine yeah so how was it affecting your family like before you got sober uh i mean what I'm assuming mm-hmm. that it was probably noticeable to the to your kids, correct? It was. It was actually. I kind of look back at um, my kind of early years, uh, like the first like 90 days of my sobriety. At the, I got sober when my youngest was eight and my oldest was 11. Yeah. And it was actually the eight-year-old who noticed first and said, "You know, you're not you're not buying wine at the grocery store anymore." And, and it, it's, it's really, it was like really eye opening that, um, that they had noticed. I, um, I wrote in some of my journaling, like I used to rush through reading bedtime stories because that was standing in the way of me relaxing at night with my, my glass of wine, my Mm. bottle of wine. Um, there were times where like I was going to take a day off from work and we were going to go to the zoo, but I drank too much the night before and I was hung over and I'd say, oh, don't you want to just cuddle in bed and watch movies instead? Mm. No, they wanted to go to the zoo. Yeah. Like, I, it, it, I was just, again, I wasn't, as, I wasn't present. Mm-hmm. I wasn't as present as a, as a parent as I wanted to be. And, and should have been. And so, um, I mean, the good news is that I did get sober while they were still relatively young. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but they, they definitely noticed and there were definitely times where, um, you know, they, they didn't understand why mommy was acting weird. Yeah. You don't think they put the connection together at that point. They didn't. But again, I know that they did, um, like I said, the youngest, even at eight, was like, you're not drinking wine anymore. Yeah. They, they, it was like, so it was quite literally sobering to realize how much little eyes watch you. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they weren't aware of the disease, but they were aware, like, there has been a strong change in mom. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you go to rehab. And what what was that experience if like, if you don't mind Asking. No, I don't mind. Um, I will say that um, my my roommate, when I got there, had such a startling story that it really it, it was what I needed to hear about how progressive and fatal this disease can be. Mm. This per, this person um, was a long haul truck driver and she was doing a trip and she came home. And her wife had actually sold the house and moved. And yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and she had been, had, had, had long-term sobriety, but in long haul trucking hadn't been going, like hadn't been going to meetings, hadn't been doing, you know, the maintenance we need to stay sober. And so she decided she was going to go to a bar and have a diet Coke. And so the first night she goes and has a diet Coke. The second night, she goes to the bar and has a Diet Coke. The third night, she goes to the bar, has three Long Island iced teas, and wakes up three months later from a coma. Like, hands down. Like, oh, that, my gosh. Yeah. And it's, it's the insanity terrifying. That, it's the insanity that precedes 
the first drink. Like she's, she was, she knew that she was talking herself in drinking. And, um, it was, I mean, I, 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 I was all in, I was going to do whatever was asked of me. I, the, for me, the jig was up. It was like, Mm -hmm. there was no going, there was no going back. I took a medical, I took a medical leave from my job. I was in, um, I was inpatient for, I think about two weeks. And then I did an outpatient program for, uh, six weeks. Um, you know, I did, I, I followed all of the suggestions and, um, it was, it was a life. I mean, we had to fight with my insurance company to get it all covered, but it was covered. It was really, it was a gift. And, um, even after I got out of the program, I, they, you know, every morning they had a morning AA meeting there and I went to that meeting so that I could give back to the, you know, to the people who helped me, Mm -hmm. you know, get and get and stay sober. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that's yeah. so great. So then, so then once you left, what was like, what was the adjustment like for the family? You know, it actually, that became okay, except that, as I had mentioned earlier, I was working for a person who was a dry drunk. And mm-hmm. so um, within the first year of my sobriety, with the help of my sponsor who I talked it over with, it was time for me to find a new job because the toxic environment was, was, um, not a healthy one. And so really the adjustment was that, um, you know, I had to change jobs again and we moved. Um, and as it happened, you know, uh, my husband stayed in that state that we were in and I and the kids moved, um, back East and we had several years where we were a, a, a married couple, an intact family, but we were living separately. And if you had ever told me in my, like when I was getting sober, that we would do that and survive, um, it was, it was mm. amazing. Mm. And, and then when he was able to come back here for work, um, that was really when we began to work on being a family mm-hmm. together again. Now, now, um, do you think that separation was helpful? Um, yeah, I think so, because I could focus on, um, you know, the work that I needed to do and not always feel kind of torn between, you know, because very early after I got out of rehab and I was going to 90 AA meetings in 90 days, you know, I just want to say like, well, well, what time's the meeting? Well, what time are you getting home? Well, you know, and yeah. he had yeah. he had every right to do that because I was doing, uh, you know, when I was in my disease, I was going around places and doing things, and you yeah. know, so, um, so there was this kind of pull of like not always wanting to be out at night, and you know, feeling like I couldn't, um, I couldn't always go out because I should be, you know, home and and being. So it was good to be kind of apart and be able to work on myself for a while and then appreciate what I had when we could be together again. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering on, for his perspective, if it also helped with some healing from his own resentments and his own, you know, f- just because of us as alcoholics, what we've done to people, you know, like if you he, know, I, if he had some time to just process stuff too. I mean, I think part of the decision to stay out there was to kind of make sure that it was going to stick. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. that I wasn't going to uproot the family again. But part of it too was he's, he's a Taoist. He's a go with the flow kind of guy. And so I don't really think that there was this like kind of larger emotional you know, baggage. Oh, like cool. Once, okay. Like once, like I, I tried to do like my amends with him and he was just like, I don't want to hear it and I don't need it. Like yeah. that's it. Like what's, what's done is done. And we kind of, from that point forward. So yeah. in that sense, it, but it was more like, I mean, I hit up, I had uprooted us a couple of times. So he just wanted to make sure that, and that's, and it has been, you know, yeah. since we've been, since we've been back, I, that's been it. Yeah, what a gift of that he was already like, hey, it's over. It's gone. It's like, over. I'm not I'm not holding on to anything, which is such yeah. that's so uh, which is why that why he is your partner. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean. it definitely it definitely has been um definitely been a blessing for sure. Yeah, so now with your with the rest of your family, um what has that been like for you to be sober with them to have people in your family who have been alcoholics? So, I mean, my, my dad passed away. And so I don't, I don't have to kind of draw attention to the fact that I'm not drinking because I don't, you know, he's not here with us anymore. And, um, yeah, there just isn't anybody in my family who's an active drinker or who is noticing that I am or am not drinking. And so that's, that's, and because I, because I changed jobs, like the people who knew me as a drinker at that job, when I came here and started a new job, these people just know me as, oh, she doesn't drink. Yep. Like I never had to explain that I did and now I don't. Yeah. They just have always known me as a non-drinker. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that a wonderful thing when you finally get someplace where you're like, I'm literally just starting all over and this is awesome. (laughs) Nobody knows that I used to. Yeah. And that I don't anymore. Yeah. And if it comes up, it comes up. And if it, if it doesn't, it doesn't. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 Um, well, so, so what have you talked about with your kids now since getting sober? And I mean, I'm assuming, they're probably college later now like they're uh they're 21 and 24 okay yeah so college and later now <laughs> oh yeah absolutely i can't believe because yeah, i remember I them being very little i remember very, being very, very little <laughs> so, so i mean i did the kind of first round of you know doing my amends when they were young but you know the kind of whitewashed version that you would do with young children and then as they went through their teen and college years you know, they know I go to meetings, they know I have a sponsor, they know that I don't drink, that I had a problem. And I just have said, you know, you should probably make different choices. Like you should probably, you know, be cautious. And as far as I can tell, they have, I mean, they don't, I don't have any recollections of, of them drinking to excess when they were in high school. Obviously I wouldn't have seen it in college. I mean, when they both went off to college, they each had one alcohol violation, which is just kind of a rite of passage. Yeah, right? it happens. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it okay. just happens. Like, right. you were stupid. <laughs> we were all stupid. <laughs> like, it's right. And so, but it's not as if they had multiple alcohol violations. Like, they, they were one and done. Like, okay, yep, did that, fine. Um, so they just, they just know. I mean, yeah. and I hope, you know, I hope and pray that, that, that whatever I, modeled for them will will stick so that they don't have to live the 15 or 20 years of hell 
that I did fighting with whether I had a disease or not. Yeah. Yeah. The young people in my family are all very aware, you know, of um, what happened to me. And uh, we've talked about it, you know, several times altogether. Um, <clears throat> you know, because my family, just like others, have like severe um, uh, alcoholics in our family in mm -hmm. the past. And I am probably, I know I am the first um, one in several generations to actually get sober. Nice. Uh, you know, yeah. So, um, which is nice and sad at the same time, but nice mm. that somebody finally got it. And so, you know, I've, I've been very open in talking with my nieces and nephews about like drinking and our family yeah. and just being like, Absolutely. you know, just be smart guys. Like, and, and, I'm, and I always tell them, and if you are ever anywhere and you're not sure who to call, call me. Cause I've call been, me. cause I've been to jail. So yeah. I, I, I've done it worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I remember one time this one young man in my life uh, noticed that I wasn't drinking and everybody else was. And he asked, he made a comment and he goes, why aren't you? And he was around 11 years old. And I remember trying to be like, how is he going to understand this? And I said, so, you know, I said, you know, the Hulk. And he goes, yeah. And I said, who is the Hulk when he's not the Hulk? And he goes, Bruce Banner. I said, yeah. Right. So I'm Bruce Banner right now. But when I drink alcohol, I become I'm the Hulk. Hulk. <laughs> and he was like, oh. And I'm like, and it's not good. And he's like, it's oh, okay. And that was it. And he got it. He's like, I was like, that's amazing. But he totally understood. That is a great, that's you know? a great story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was thinking about that when um, you were talking about, when we were talking about you talking with your girls, you know, about how to explain it and understand it for for young people, because it can be difficult, you know, to yeah, absolutely to grasp it. I mean, it's even difficult, like you were saying, with your husband, like of just yeah. being like, like not understanding, like not having an off switch. Yeah, I, I related to um, when I finally got sober. I explained it to people like I was like I was breathing underwater. I said mm -hmm. it's it's impossible. It made it felt impossible to me, but it actually mm -hmm. is happening. And I, that was the closest I could relate it to. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so Barbara, it comes to the end of the, and the question of, so why are you sober today? Why do you stay sober? You know, I stay sober because I have a life that is so much better than I ever could have imagined. I mean, mm. when I got, when I was drinking, I couldn't imagine what life would be like without drinking. And I just, I have a life that is, you know, really second to none. I have, um, I have a job. I have a boss that is respectful. He knows, he knows about me and, um, and respects that. And I feel seen and, um, I, I can be my authentic self mm. and, I am, I'm not exhausted at the end of the night wondering what lie I had to cover up. Yeah. I don't have to wonder where my pocketbook is. Like, <laughs> I just, you know, yeah. it's, I don't, I don't, there's, I haven't, I don't go to bed feeling like there are things undone or things that I have to undo tomorrow. Like I just can, and I, I can have an authentic relationship with my higher power because I, I can be honest about kind of where I, where I'm feeling. I have a great fellowship of, of people, women who I can call and who I can share, um, you know, my struggles 
And it's just, it's just amazing that I, you know, I could have this gift. I don't, I, the, the, the obsession to drink was lifted every once in a while. I, a thought flits through and I just think, why? Like what's on the other end of that? Nothing, nothing compared to what I have now. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you you so much for being here. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Great. Well, thank you all so much for listening to my friend Barbara's story. Barbara, as always, thank you so much for being my friend, for being such a supportive, awesome person, and for coming on and telling your story and sharing some experience, strength, and hope with others out there, and hopefully also some joy. So next week, we have my friend Corey, who also comes from my Gordon College and college days, and I'm so glad she's here. She and I have wonderfully stayed connected over the past few years, so bringing her on was an easy choice for me, and I'm so glad she's here to share her story. Um, So, as always, if you are a sober addict and would like to come on, please get in touch with me. You can get in touch with me at my website, whyareyousober.org, or you can email me directly at sam at whyareyousober.org. And as always, if you're somebody who has some questions or needs some help, please reach out also. So with that, I'm wishing you all a whole lot of peace, love, and joy, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye. Bye.